All right, you are listening to the Ministry of Parenthood, and we would ask that you would slow down, particularly as we um, begin, as always, with, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our family sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Yeah, so me and Thaddeus are here. How you doing, Ray, Thaddeus? how you doing? I'm doing great, man. And um, we were kind of talking before about kind of the way we're about to head right smack dab into ordinary time, and which means we've just left Easter and the Easter season and then Pentecost, and then we had this big... Holy Trinity Sunday, and then just past Corpus Christi Sunday, and then all of a sudden it just hits. They're all wearing green, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, and I I I think that that for me kind of pointed me in the direction of you know fifty four. I was thinking about how many times have I gone through this cycle, you know, in my life, and how many times is it done, and and how can we as parents and and we as families um take what the liturgy gives and and allow us to live it in in our family in a way that that kind of reinvigorates us and i i just there's a there's a rhythm you know there's a rhythm to the liturgy i mean if you look at it and you pay attention across time you can just sit there and and watch you know you go you go you know begins with advent and then then you have Christmas and then you have a little bit of ordinary time and then, and then you have Lent and then, then you have the triduum and then 50 days of, you know, of the Easter season. Hey, Catholics are partiers. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we, we are not afraid to take a, uh, a game changer of an event <laughs> and make it, you know, like the, even the, even the way we celebrate say um, Easter, is an eight-day day. It's an octave, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pointing to this is bigger than just what one day can hold. Christmas is an eight-day day. There's an octave there. Right. We hang on to, you know, I have a friend that always talks about stop living in the past. Well, we're not living in the past. We're living in the present, but God has made present to us a church that reminds us of special occasions that are game changers for us as human beings right. in and through the liturgy. And so I think as a family, we can take what the church gives us and that rhythm and kind of get some guidance in terms of what should we be talking about now and why does it apply? And again, it's pitching pennies. If we just take a little bit of time to look at well, what's coming up next, um, do that. So, I mean, I kind of, it kind of came up from, okay, so you go through and you, you have, you have Pentecost Sunday, which is the end of the, the of the Easter season. Mm-hmm. And I guess technically you go into ordinary time, but instead of the, you know, the, this year, I think it would have been the 11th Sunday, instead of it being the 11th Sunday of ordinary time, it's Trinity Sunday. It's right. only Trinity Sunday. And right. then I think this year it's 12, the 12th uh, Sunday of ordinary time, but it's going to be the Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. Well, that by itself, that the, just that culmination of the last sixty days, two months basically. You've fifty days, and then another fourteen, I guess. Um, what's that? Sixty-four. So, um, 
just over 60 days. Just about, right about. Very good. You are correct. Uh, Trinity Sunday was falling on the 11th Sunday in ordinary time. Corpus Christi falling on the 12th Sunday. In, right. Would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's every year at that. I think it depends. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, because mm-hmm. it depends on when, when Lent starts and right. that, which would move things around. But bottom line, the the church shows us that there's kind of a rhythm and there's a way of going through life that reminds us of all the hills and valleys of that. But the vast majority of life, the vast majority of the liturgy is ordinary. I mean, that's what it's called is ordinary time. I think there's 40 some odd weeks of ordinary time Mm -hmm. out of what, 52 years. I mean, fifty-two weeks, not fifty years. I'm, I'm, I'm. We we understand. Yeah. we understand. But but I think but I think that even the way the church organizes her liturgy and and it points us to the truth about our own lives, the truth about our own days and our family, the truth about that. And I think that maybe we can sit here and 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 use some of this to say, well, what are, what is the church trying to teach us and how can I take that and apply that in my own life? Well, first off, if you take the Easter season, what's the point of that? Well, let's, let's back up. Let's go, let's go to, we were just talking about this. Let's go to the most well-attended mass of all, mm-hmm. ironically, is... Not even a holy day of obligation. Not even a holy day of Ash obligation. Wednesday. And it's not... Even on a weekend. I mean, yeah. it's not a typical Sunday. It's, it's a, a Wednesday mass. mass that is the that is ironically, I don't know what the right word is, but surprisingly perplexingly. Maybe, perplexingly <laughs> the 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 beginning, but but it's the starting point for all of us from the standpoint that we have to be reminded of the fact that Someday we're all going to die. I mean, I hate to break it to you, Thaddeus, but <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> we're, we're we're all there. One thing we can be sure of: we're we're all going to die at some point. Yeah, and and that's the mass that reminds us of that. Which in this culture, people want to forget death. They want to forget, and, and you have ashes that we're going to be, you know, reminder of the fact that this body, as it as it is right now, this matter that that our souls are united with or integrated with that that is animated by our souls is when it gets buried, going to, going to disintegrate into something. I mean, it's when you think about it, it's not, you know, a happy topic, I guess, you know? Right. And, and most people tend to avoid in this culture that yet the church provides us with this opportunity. And for some reason, maybe it's because people like walking around with ashes on their forehead or whatever, Maybe it's on there, people's bucket list to to go to. I have an no Ash idea. Wednesday match. But 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 see that again. If you start with that, then we're in need of a savior, and we're in need of um, we're sinful, and we're going to die, and we need to, you know, with the help of God's grace, manage our bodies, be in charge of our bodies, you know. So there we have fasting and prayer and almsgiving, you know, sacrificial giving for the sake of another, that means that if I'm giving that away, then it's something that I'm not using for myself and all that comes with that. I think that that is essential to life, that we're meant to be that, but we're not stuck there. And so then you, then you get to Easter and Easter is, here's the answer. We have God who became man and died on a cross for us for the sake of forgiving our sins so that we can overcome that which is leading to death and ultimately have eternal life with him. And then even ultimately at the second coming, be reunited with our bodies in a glorified sense for all those who are saved. So it's, it's an answer to that question that happens at the end of a 40 day deal. So again, the church is not afraid to hang on a theme for a period of time because sometimes I think you have to kind of focus on that. You can't just get it one day. I mean, it's something you have to focus on and it makes you recognize 
hey, I'm not, you know, I have these things that I'm attached to, these things that I can't control, these things that that are probably not good for me that I need to let go of or at least not be enslaved to. If I can't say no to something, then I'm it's slave and we're meant to be free. Mm-hmm. So then you have Easter. And then again, you know, Easter is an eight-day day, but the Easter season is 50 days, 40 days that we remember the 40 days that Jesus, after his resurrection, walked around, which points us to the fact that he was spending time with his apostles, spending time with his people, which I think, again, for a lot of it points us to the fact that he's left the church behind. He didn't leave. He, he, he didn't just raise from the dead and say, hey, I'm, I'm out of here. I mean, he had something to explain. So long, farewell. Right. right. He, he had something to explain, which, again, is important for us to remember that we take time to spend time with one another, but we also take time to recognize that during that period of time, we're remembering Jesus rose from the dead. He died for us and he rose from the dead. So here's a tr- here's something you really need to know with regard to that. Why do, why should Christians believe what the church teaches? Why? Well, I mean, it's it's simpler than most people think. If you ask, well, because it's Jesus the church. No, but that's not ultimately the reason. If you read scripture and you look at it, it's because Christ died and he rose from the dead. Nobody has done that before. Not not of his own volition. Not because that was what he was here for. He rose from the dead, validating all that he had taught before. And then he said, I'm going to the Father. He, he told him that before he died. And then he told him that during the 40 days. And then at the end of the 40 days, he's like, I've got I've to go to heaven because what you want is the Holy Spirit coming. And again, think about this. I've become a Novena fan. Novenas have had impact. But the, the first Novena was Jesus saying, Okay, I'm going up to heaven, and now you go back and pray for the Holy Spirit to come, who's going to lead you into all truth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, again, he could have just stamped his finger and said, here's the Holy Spirit. That 10 days, all that being part of his plan, points us to the fact that he wants us to participate in that. Right? I mean, he's... He could, I mean, just think of some of the times the things that he doesn't do or the things that he does do, I think are important for, for us to remember. He wants us to pray. He could have just said, here's the Holy Spirit, which he did to some extent, you know, in, to the apostles on, on, on the, you know, I breathed on them and there's the Holy Spirit. But in terms of the beginning of his church on Pentecost Sunday, he asked them to pray for those 10 days. He goes from 40th day, he ascended into heaven, which was Ascension Thursday for years. And, and, and I guess Ascension Thursday is still that day. Most places that I know have kind of moved us. Right. Right. But then you're, what, you, what you're saying is that then days 41 through 49, that's the first novena. I mean, the that's first the novena. beginning of the novena tradition. And then the next day, day 50 that's pentecost the, and when the pentecost holy spirit Sunday. when the holy spirit comes and so we celebrate there's the birth of it if we've at the end of this very joyous season this i mean you've i've seen the i've heard the great spots that you and whoever done about you know the incense and the the different the different things that that point us to the fact that this is a celebratory season this is something that's right like, right like what right. type of things we're oh we talked about yeah, incense, um, the restoration of the Alleluia. There's even, I think in the octave, there's even the Alleluia at the end of the the sending forth at the end of Mass. Right. Um, you light the Paschal candle. Right. Um, there's just all these things that point us to the fact that this yeah, is... Yeah, I mean, it, there's the readings from the Acts of the Apostles right. in... Um, what, in, in the first reading and then revelation in the uh, the second reading correct so it's all, yeah so the there, Easter season yeah so there so so that season is pointing us to the fact that the Holy Spirit came for a reason and right. that it had an impact right 
on these people and that we sh- that same Holy Spirit lives in you and me and in our own families. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I wanted to go back. You said something really in, really good earlier about... Um, that's, that's a rare thing. But. No, no, it's not. It's actually <laughs> not. Um, but you, you made, you connected Lent and the, the ascetic practices we do during Lent and, um, you know, the Triduum and Easter, and you connected that all to the particular judgment we're going to have and then the second coming and um, yeah. the, the end of all things. And I think that is also very, very central or critical to the liturgical year that we have this, we have this cycle that we go through from Advent to um, Christ, the, Christ, the King, let's say, right all the way to the end of the year and through, through all the different seasons. But what those, what those different seasons they do is they, they help us. I think they help keep us from being so imminent where everything is just, where our vision is just down here on the ground about how is God helping me get through my day? How is God helping me be a better person to right. my neighbor? How is my how is he helping me, you know, love my neighbor, but maybe forgetting about how am I loving God, right? Which right. is the two parts of the greatest commandment. And I think it's it's so important that, that um, we we lift our vision to heaven, right. and we have our eyes on on heaven and the and the end of things, and our final destination, so that we can put love. Right. So we can put loving our neighbor in the right context. So we can put, you know, following the precepts of of the church in the right proper context, and we can have some supernatural motivation to to do that, to cooperate with God's grace. Do you see what I'm getting at? I do. And I think, I think again, it points us to the fact that there, there are these two things going on. As you were talking, I was thinking of just purely practical things. I know that there's, they've just passed some laws in some States where you can't text and walk. You can get ticketed for texting and walking, you know, like, and when I was thinking about that, and I was also thinking about one of my daughters that was trying to teach her to drive would have a hard time, particularly she got going fast, staying in the, in the lane and I was said, look, you've got, you've got to simultaneously be looking out in front of you and, and, and in front of you. And it's got to be kind of both have got to be happening back and forth because if you focus straight down, can't just look at your hood, you can't just look at your hood, but you do need to look what's there. But then you also need to take time to look where you're headed through other cars, through yes. other things. That's right. Just like you can't, you can't text and walk. You can't be sitting there looking at your phone and be walking because you have to keep your eyes on what's where you're headed. Right. And there's great wisdom to that. It's funny that, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about this. I brought it up under different context uh, with regard to this, but, but there is this verse that, you know, it says we look to the things that are seen. And we, I'm sorry, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Yes. And so there's this connection between the stuff that we see, which is readily available. I mean, you can't miss. I mean, if you're not paying attention, you can. <laughs> but, but generally, I mean, this thing, I see this microphone in front of me, and I see you in front of me. But through that, you have to be able to see God. And I think the connection you're making is, I think, is it is it um, John, I think, in, in one of his letters talks about, you know, you can't say that you love God and hate your neighbor. That's right. There's this, this great connection between what we see and what is unseen, that actually we're learning what is unseen through what we see and come in contact with. So created things, it's not a matter of being spiritual is not always just a matter of keeping our eyes up all the time for some people, maybe in contemplative, but you and I, I mean, we're dads and husbands. I mean, we, right, we've got to right. sometimes put our nose down and do the work we got to do, Yeah, whatever. But, but at the same time, if we get stuck in that, 
without ever looking up, so to speak, looking down the road and saying, there's something greater here. And this in front of me is the means towards which I'm going to get there. If I don't make that connection, then I'm not really being Christian. And so that kind of springboards into, you know, the rest of the year. So the, so the Pentecost happens and the church is established and we had celebrated that a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then what the church does at that moment is before we get into ordinary time, I think just springboards right from what we're talking, they want to like react. Okay. This happened for a reason. Jesus died, rose from the dead and the Holy spirit was sent and the church was established for what reason to unite us with two things with the Holy Trinity and with the body of Christ, those two things are are one. I mean, because the second person of the Holy Trinity is Jesus Christ, and it is through Him, with Him, and in Him that we have access, and it is it is with the Holy Spirit living in us that we have access to the very inner life of God to be in God's family, so to speak. Maybe not so to speak in actuality to be in God's family, and so you have. The Easter season, you have Pentecost, church established, you have the Holy Trinity Sunday, you have Corpus Christi, and all of a sudden it just goes green. I mean, it just goes ordinary life. There's a great deal of wisdom in that because that's exactly how we need to go. We need to recognize that there is a God who's invited us into his family to partake in his nature, his divine nature. That's what Peter says to become partakers of divine nature by being integrated, becoming one with, communion with, as we just had this past Sunday, through, with, and in Jesus Christ and his humanity and his divinity, having access through him, with him, and in him to the Father. But then the next week is just an ordinary week. And the week after that, it's an ordinary week. And the week after that, is an, it's, I mean, it, it's going to be weeks before we get to Advent. Right. Yeah, and another thing I like to, to say I think is neat about, um, about another aspect of ordinary time is, you know, if you think of cardinal numbers and ordinal numbers, so cardinal numbers are one, two, three, four, five. Ordinal numbers are first, second, third, fourth, oh. fifth. So we're wow. counting towards the end of the year. We're counting towards... Oh wow! The um, the final feast day of the year is the Christ the King. Christ the King, right? And then we're counting towards, and we're counting towards the beginning of the next thing. But but even you you could even say that the whole the whole church year is a count up to Easter, right? Or you could say a count up to the incarnation, and then another count up to the resurrection right and then a countdown to the la- four last so. things the right. final things and then we start the whole process over again and we count up to yeah, so the incarnation so right i mean so it's more, so you have that little you know advent is always called the, like a mini lent or whatever because yeah. it's pointing us to in time we needed a savior. So we're remembering, if you remember during that That's Advent right. season, you're, you're reading all the prophets and you're reading, you know, the, the old Testament that's pointing us to yeah. Yeah. this, this savior who's going to be born. And then we have the birth. And so the rest of the year is, is his life. And then his life, death, resurrection, and its impact on the apostles on the church and then ultimately us mm-hmm. so that like during ordinary time and of course during other times you're going to have feasts of um particular saints that's right who point us to hey this isn't just meant for biblical times this is meant you know what what you just pick one i mean whether it's Therese of Lisieux or Maximilian Colby or Teresa of Avila or whatever you're you're going to have these different Things Saint Maria Goretti is coming up. I think mm-hmm. all those all those ones are saying that okay, what happened then and what we remember during that time happens in ordinary time with people just like you and me, right? And then we're not, and these are not just um, historical personages who we might admire, like um, 
Franklin Roosevelt or right. Ronald Reagan. See, I did that. I got one from both parties. So nice. Didn't, didn't offend, didn't <laughs> both pretty anybody. popular, too. Didn't offend anybody. <laughs> In their um, day. Right, right. But these people, these saints, these are actually alive in heaven and they are praying for us. They are interceding for us right now for us to stay on the path towards joining them in heaven. So, you know, the feast days are also that they're just another, they're also little, little elements or little moments all through the year that again, keep us, they tie us to the transcendent, they tie us to the imminent and they just keep that, that nice, balance tension. tension between those two things like you're yeah, like th- you're saying yeah i think because i think i think that's i guess what i'm saying and what we're talking about and trying to encourage you is we always just like trying to tell my daughter to keep you, you you can't forget what's right in front of you but you also can't forget what's out in front of you um and so th- the best drivers are able to do both well the the best the saints are the ones that are the greatest at living fully and right. doing extraordinarily well what's in front of them primarily because they have that eternal perspective primarily because they're they recognize it that you know a, a say, changing a diaper or fixing a skin knee or making a bed or mowing a lawn if that's what you're meant to do at that moment that that is a moment which can be transcendent that it's meant to be. If it's not, it's because we're not allowing it to be. So how do you do that? I mean, we've talked about this before. Make your morning offering. Yeah. You know, if you read Practicing the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, game changer for me. I think anybody who's a busy parent ought to read it. It's what's like 16 letters that this this uh, Carmelite monk or brother, brother, um, did and he lived an extraordinary Lord night. Like he fixed shoes and opened doors. I mean, nothing extraordinary, but he was. He talks about recognizing God in the moment and continually practicing the presence. You know, so for me, one of those things that I did that I learned from him, and of course he didn't have this, but I used to have a a watch that I could set that would beep at the beginning of every hour. Whatever it is for you, find that one thing and. Stop, focus on what you're doing, but then stop and offer, hey, Lord, I'm just glanced to heaven. I mean, that's the Therese of Lisieux in the catechism. Prayer is, she says, is just a simple glance towards heaven. Mm-hmm. That, it doesn't have to be a long, arduous group of prayers. It doesn't have to be a rosary. Not, not a bad thing. It, that's a good thing. But it can be as simple as, Lord, thank you for allowing me this last week. Thank you for the help with the work that I've done. I'm offering it to you, and please help me in the next hour. Move on. Tying that with in the morning, Lord, I give you everything, all that I do, all that I think, all that I say, all that I have. I'm united with Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross, made present again at every Mass, and I ask that you would accept that in reparation for my own sins and the sins of the whole world, for the conversion of sinners. I mean, something along those lines to where What's happening there is we are making that connection between what's in front of me now in terms of my work, in terms of my child, in terms of my spouse, my boss, my employee, the person that's, you know, not going when the light turns green and and you're in a hurry. I mean, all those things that are in front of me are all opportunities to recognize that God is calling you in the present moment to deal with what's in front of you without forgetting that he's there. Well, so, I mean, you know, if I'm a surgeon, I mean, and I'm doing brain surgery, it's very, you're all very happy that I'm not because that would be bad. But, but if I were one, you know, I want them totally committed and focused on the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think Brother Lawrence of the resurrection, practicing the presence of God, would say that the, the, the more precise and more critical that your work or whatever is to the safety, well-being of, of people in front of you, so if you're a pilot or whatever, he's going to say, focus fully on that. That is your tribute to God. That is your worship of God. Right. But 
need to stop intermittently, maybe the beginning of the flight, the beginning of the surgery and say, okay, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do it with the help of your grace now. And then dive into doing that using every gift that God's given you, everything you've been trained to do, fully focus on that. I mean, the pilot, you know, piloting the plane successfully He's loving his neighbor. Absolutely, there. absolutely. I mean, that's what he's doing. Absolutely, and so we've got to we got to learn ourselves, I think, and challenge our children to recognize that what's happening in the liturgy is you have these seen things, these heard things, these smelled things, these things that are very tangible. These movements, the standing, the kneeling, the crossing of ourselves, the whatever it is, those are all human actions that in and of themselves are just that. But in in the liturgy, if we're looking at things through the eyes of faith as God as Jesus has revealed and the church continues to reveal it, they all mean something. If we're kneeling, there's a reason we're kneeling. We're in the presence of of Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. If we're standing, it's because his words are being spoken and we're, we're in reverence saying this is, I need to pay attention. Yeah. We talked about this a couple episodes ago, but just revisit it again. When we're at mass and we're kneeling, I mean, we're there sacramentally at the last supper. We're there at the foot of the cross we're there at the sacrifice on Calvary. Yep, we're and there. it's and and the mass is being is being carried out in heaven. Right. And so, so so talk about that. Well, I'm just saying that 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 again, the liturgy itself if you if if you see it through the eyes of faith, you you have to recognize that the liturgy itself points to exactly what we're talking about here. There is there is this simultaneous truth of the fact that there is something very ordinary sitting in front of us if by itself with no understanding it's there but in light of the faith which has been revealed we recognize that that is not just a piece of bread after the consecration that is indeed jesus's body blood soul and divinity present truly present sacramentally present which is what a visible sign of an invisible reality which your children, I still love. By, they need to, We need to package that. <laughs> but, 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 but the point is, as Christians, we have got to challenge ourselves. Like I challenged my daughter, you got to keep your eyes on what's in front of you, but never at the expense of keeping your eyes out what's out out in front of you. And you can't keep your eyes on what's out in front of you at the expense of what's in front of you. It is this tension of, I've got to go back and forth between, hey, that person that's in front of me right now that needs help, I'm going to help them to do the best I can. But there's Jesus as well. I mean, he says as much in Matthew 25. So I think, the tr- not the trick, but the liturgy tells us that what looks like a piece of bread, which seems like something that's completely repetitive, yeah, we just did that last week, you know, and the week before, and the week before that, or the day before, that repetitive stuff is still has to be done with human hands, with human words, in a way proper to it, that where people can hear, see, smell, way it's supposed but it's not limited to that that there is something so to speak behind it or in it that is more than what it seems well that's the same thing at home i mean there's more to it when somebody sacrifices to wash the dishes for somebody else now that can be miserable if you stick with just that but again, that'd be like a person driving and just looking at what's directly in front of him without ever seeing where he's going. It's it's like, you know, so I, I've used this before, but one of my favorite sayings is, you know, um, vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I always use calculus for me was that, you know, it wasn't until I had the vision of what is calculus for 
if I don't have a, what it's for and I'm stuck in it, I'm like, I mean, if you pick what it is for you. But I remember when I was a freshman, there was no vision. It was like, I'm just trying to get out of here with a C. I don't even know what the heck a differential <laughs> equation is, right? And so you're, I'm you're right there you're, with you. You're dude. grinding. You're grinding through this. Yeah. But you don't understand why. You don't understand what for. You. I mean, it's just a nightmare. Well, the church offers that every day is meant to be. This bringing together of vision and action, this bringing together of, okay, I've got to drive the next hundred yards safely, so I need to know what's right in front of me, but I better know where I'm headed. I better know that, hey, I need to take the next exit, or I need to take a left here, or whatever. So I need to be going back and forth between what's in front of me and where I'm headed. I need to have a vision, (laughs) but I still need to act in the moment. I hope that's not too too theological or whatever, but the point is is that the liturgy and good Christians, good Catholics, are meant not that there's a difference between those two. <laughs> that's that's uh being repetitive, I guess. Catholic Christians have to have this nice tension between recognizing that the next thing in front of me the putting, washing my dishes and get putting them in the dishwasher so that nobody else has to do that is something that needs to be done. It's an act that has to be done. But it can be so much more than that. If we just have the eyes of faith to say that little thing God can use, so I'm going to offer it to him. I'm going to do it for the sake of whomever. I give this sacrifice to you. It's something I don't like to do. But there's a bigger vision out there. And so right now, it's what I'm supposed to be doing, because that's what mom asked for. It's what dad wants. It's, it allows somebody else to not have to clean up my mess. And I'm going to do it for the sake of another. Yeah, can I enrich the analogy a little bit yeah, more even? So when we're driving, we have to look right in front of us. We have to look ahead of us. But anybody that drives on you know a busy city street or freeway, we also know that we often have to glance uh, yeah. in the rearview mirror. Absolutely. Yeah. And the liturgical year and the mass, the liturgy of the hours, That's they great. all, there's also, there's all rearview mirrors there too. There's a backward glance. One of the ways that we know that Christ is who he says he is, is because of all the prophecies from the Old Testament right. that he fulfilled, all of the, um, all of the the aspects of you know Jewish history and the promises of the Old Testament, the covenants from the Old Testament, the the sayings of the prophets that he fulfilled, that he brought into fruition, they they help flesh out who he who he was. And then we all, you know, part of, part of our journey, a part of our pilgrimage on this earth towards the heavenly, our heavenly home is a backward glance in our own life. We don't, it's not good to, to dwell on our past, but we do need to look at our, in our past and say, oh, I can see God's hand here. Absolutely. Or I can see where I made that decision in this circumstance earlier. It didn't work out so well. I need to be more, I need to show more self-restraint. Or I need to show, to show more prudence. I need to work on this aspect of myself. Right. So that I can, I can love neighbor better. I can love God better. Right. And so, so I think, I think that with taking that part of the, uh, the uh, analogy I think is is looking back, not just at Christ, but but looking back at the saints that have gone before right, us. Right, they're so backward the cloud of witnesses yeah. that that um, the author of Hebrews points to that this great cloud of witnesses that sometimes we have to look back because that's encouragement. Yes, you're right. I mean that yes. we get we can recognize they're praying for us, but we we need to see okay we we have we have to um, recognize that there are people behind us that 
we need to look at to strengthen us so we can go forward. Yeah. The other thing, the other image of that is, is we need to look behind us to recognize there are people following us. That's right. We're setting an and example. And so we're meant, we're meant, we're meant to set an example as well. Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty sure that the church has included it is included car driving in the liturgical year or in any of the images. I'm pretty sure that's not a sacramental event, <laughs> but it might be in the cash. I was going to say, I think this is <laughs> it's such, in section. <laughs> this is shaping up to be a major chapter in the cash. In the Catechism. but but the re, the I mean the the reality is, and I hope the theme of this has been that we have to constantly. Take the day-to-day and recognize there's more going on than what it looks like. There's there's more happening than what we think. I've always challenged my kids. I mean, I remember being bored, but one of them, when I first caught a glimpse of this is the way that a, that a Christian is meant to be in terms of continuing this tension between what I've got in front of me right now, the ordinary stuff of today and the long-term vision that we're meant to get to heaven, that it's not like a, it's not a disconnect. It's, it's, it's really honestly happening simultaneously. I'm reading a book, you know, that the sacrament, the sacrament of the present moment is Mm -hmm. something I've, and, and what he talks about is, is that if you really have the faith, God, is omnipresent. He's always here. It's kind of springboarding off of, um, off of brother Lawrence and practicing the presence of God that he says, you've got to recognize in the moment, the stuff that he puts in your path, the person that you bump into the situation you find yourself in. All those things are things that God is orchestrating for a purpose. And it may be for you to serve somebody. It may be you need to hear something that somebody's got to say. But you can't be bored (laughs) if you have those eyes of faith, if you have those Catholic goggles on that say, hey, there's something else happening here. You know, God is at work. There was what was the there was a book that was really important in my life. It was as I was going through my conversion. And I cannot remember it. It was Henry Blackaby, a Baptist, but but he talks about being aware of God is working in our lives day to day, and even in the ordinary, He's working. So we need to ask, okay, what are you saying to me today? But that does not mean that you just stop what you're doing. If you've got something to do, if you're flying a plane, you know, or driving a car, or ha- surgery, you. Folk, your best way to honor God is do that very well. And that is your worship. That is your thanksgiving. That is your moment that you're giving to God. Yeah, you, you've talked about this before in past episodes. Um, the ordinariness of Christ's time on earth, he spent many, many, many years honing his craft as a carpenter in the shop of his stepfather. And you better believe it when Joseph was teaching him how to plane a piece of wood, he was paying attention. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, practicing his reading from the Torah. Right. Right. He was doing that. And, and likewise, when he was, probably actively working as a, as a carpenter, he was putting his whole self into that, that physical work. Right. And so, so taking that, stepping off from that is this, so it's a vision and action, right? Action we know as parents, as bankers, as radio station, general manager, whatever, whatever you, whatever you are, a mother, a, a coach, whatever you are, the action oftentimes dictated by the situation. You know, there's things you got to do at certain times because that's your job, right? But what's the vision? Well, not what's the vision. Who's the vision? He doesn't say this is the way. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So what is the vision? The vision is to become the image of, 
of Christ without not becoming him in, in terms of everything that he did, not becoming a carpenter, whatever, but, but he's pointing us in the direction of he spent most of his life, the vast majority of his life, working honestly at a, I mean, you think about it, he could have been born to a priest and family in that time back then, right? He could have been somebody that was always in the temple. But what is God saying? If he is the way, if he put himself in that, he could have orchestrated any way, could have come and done anything, could have had his foster father be anybody. He chose an ordinary man with an ordinary job who did ordinary and often repetitive things to serve other people. Sounds familiar to me. I mean, most, most of my life is a lot of that, ordinary, <laughs> repetitive. Yet, if he's the way, then whatever my calling is, whatever my vocation is from the standpoint of my job, I should take great solace in saying I'm being conformed into his image to the extent that I am allowing myself to be fully engaged in whatever my profession is or in whatever I'm supposed to be doing now. So a child who is doing the dishes because mom and dad asked them to do the dishes and they do a great job, they put it all up, they are being conformed in the image of Christ. They are living the vision. How the heck can you be bored if you recognize that? I mean, you got to believe, you know, I, there's the, the joke of, of theologians who's talking about how I had a guy say, you know, you got to come, you got to believe, you know, at least jokingly believe that, you know, Mary and, and maybe not Joseph, you may have died, but Mary's like, hey, you know, you're like 30 years old, dude. <laughs> I mean, isn't it about time you go about this Messiah thing? I mean, you're just sitting here doing carpentry, you know, uh, and I'm sure that didn't happen, but and I'm pretty sure it's not in the catechism either. But, <laughs> but, but I think it points us to the fact that he could have started that his ministry at any time, right? He could have been doing anything in the interim. He could have had a short period of that and a great deal of glory leading up to his passion, death, and resurrection, correct? I mean, he could have chosen any of those things, but right. instead he chose the majority of his life. I mean, if you think from the time he's – they find him in the temple and they bring him back home, right, to to when he starts his business. That's 17 years. It's half his life Yeah, that we know nothing about. We can only assume. But we know that we know a few things about it, and that's yeah, what I was just going to read to you. Yeah. So this is, um, this is Luke chapter 2, verse 49 through 52. And he, our Lord, said to them, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And we can come back to some of those qualities of our Lord, but I, I, I pulled this up because I wanted to talk about how that line about Our Lady is so, it's so indicative of that idea of, you know, keeping our eyes on the transcendent and keeping that, that connection between the transcendent yes. and the imminent. She, she had these experiences, the finding the temple and everything that's already come beforehand, and you're assuming other things that are not in the gospels that happened as he grew. And she kept, she kept, sometimes the translation is she pondered these things. Like right. She kept them in her mind. She kept mulling them over, turning them over. What's going on here? What, what's that great call of that I'm supposed to be the mother of right. the savior. And that I said, you know, do I am the handmaid of the Lord. What, what does that mean? What's that? going to look like what exactly that's what we're supposed to do we're right. supposed to imitate our lady in that right and we should so that that pondering i think sometimes is is recognizing as we 
I mean, this happens to me frequently. I mean, I'm registering kids on a computer. I still don't understand how in 2019 they couldn't do a better job of how to, of the dadgum software that you have to use to do that. <laughs> I mean, and I'm about to lose my faith and religion going through going, how come I'm putting this in again for the third time, you know? So pondering that, I had to stop myself and say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. One of the parents has to do it. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. And yes, it's a challenge, but I need to take a step back and ask for the grace to do it not only well, but do it with the eyes of faith to recognize this can be more than just registering your child if you'll do it. And so you have to ponder what is going on here. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And yes, if it's a challenge, is it a chance to op- to to unite the ordinary with the extraordinary yes action with vision so anyway let, let's do the let's do the verse to keep our eyes because i want we don't ponder um keep our eyes both simultaneously on what's in front of us and what's out there for us heaven on earth and so let's do second corinthians 4 um goodness gracious 18 um we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so, listen, I just challenge you to um, try to live that out. And um, hopefully this has been good. It's been fun for me. It's always a challenge. But anyway, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He will. God bless. God bless.